Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Very exciting time for Orzone right now. I'm actually in Burkina Faso right now. I'll be here for the next 10 days. Um, just uh, checking up on things. It's a lot going on right now with us. So uh, since we last talked, I think we've now... Um, very, very fat, far into our detail engineering. We've ordered pretty much all of our mechanical equipment, significant amount of our electric equipment, all of our um, plate work for the CIL tanks, the structural steel. We're awarding two of our major contracts this weekend. It's a, it's a really exciting time. In cost inflationary pressures right now for the mining industry, iron ore's gone up, copper's gone up, uh, shipping's gone up. And so we're really trending very, very favorably in terms of our capital cost estimate, which was completed in 2019. And since then, we've also uh, raised some money up for the silver and we're doing some exploration. I'm really excited about our exploration, the results that we've had to date. And I think the results that will continue to come, which will be a, a very, very strong catalyst for this company going forward. So it's uh, exciting times. We're right in the middle of build. We're still drilling, which is sort of interesting for a construction company, a particular junior company. And things are moving along very, very well. So I'm really happy with how we've got out of the gate. I'm really excited about where we're going to be in the next 12 to 18 months. Brilliant. Hello, Paddy. Great summary. Nice to see you. And actually not a bad connection considering you're out in the field in Burkina Faso. Congratulations. Yeah. Have you hogged everyone else's uh, bandwidth? That's what, that's what I've told them. <laughs> Stop watching Netflix. I'm on the line. Good man. Hey, look, look Paddy. I, this we spoke to you in the middle of February, right? And um, you're in you're in the, the home straight now. You're, you're going to build this thing. There, are, of that, there is no doubt. And 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 finally, you know, business is quite a simple thing. It's it's money in, money out. So you took and you hit upon a few key points there um, in terms of some of the things, the orders that you're placing. I do want to talk about those, but let's just look at some of the things that you've done since we spoke. I think. In February, you you done the debt in place. What's the update on that? Yes. Because announcing it and actually getting it ready to actually with you know draw from is another thing. Yeah, so we're we we had to uh, uh, raise the equity as well, and obviously with every debt package, you, you must draw down on the equity before you get access to the debt. We're finaling off, finalizing off what's called the intercreditor agreements, which are the the documents between the the uh, the bank and the and the and the convertible debenture. You know, so it's a you know it's a process that you go through. We're fairly well uh, down the path, right? With with that, and in fact, I'm hosting the banks on the project this week. So we expect to draw down the uh, the convert sometime September October, and then we'll be into the main debt in uh, December January. So um, what I can tell you is that uh, you know we got out of the gate very fast, and um, you know. Uh, we did have COVID where we were delayed on the debt and, you know, people were wondering what was going to happen. We used that uh, very much to our advantage. We went back into the feasibility study. We looked at all of the equipment. We looked at all of the, you know, the, the layouts, et cetera. And we were ready to hit the ground running once the debt was in place, once the equity was in place. So we got our orders in quickly. I'm so glad we did that. I got to give like a podium a huge pat on the back in that regard we put two guys in their offices, so there's a very fast turnaround on documents going out, orders being placed, you know, et cetera. But as of this morning, because I've just gone through it all, we've pretty much ordered 90% of our capital equipment. We've ordered a significant amount of our electrical equipment, transformers, MCCs, et cetera. We've ordered all of our CIL plant, 
plate work, which is the big plate work for the tanks. We've uh, ordered all our rebar for the concrete. We've ordered, um, uh, put, placed orders for the structural steel, which is all of the steel work on top of the tanks, all of the tank, uh, for, you know, the pump boxes, uh, the walkways, all of that's now out and placed. And we really have beaten a lot of this cost pressure. I am, I'm so pleased that we did it. Um, explain that. And, explain that for people, Paddy, because um, you know the cost pressure being what prices are going up, and you've managed to fix your yes, right, okay. One, well, absolutely, they're going up, and um, you know you've got uh, steel structural steel now has gone up probably thirty percent since we wow. we we've placed our own. Um, you know, so you know they, like MCCs, copper, all that stuff, transformers, that's all gone up in cost. We. Because we had sized everything and we didn't change it, we were able to get out there and get those orders placed. And um, like the ball mill, we went out there like day one, we went out for the ball mill and, uh, you know, we got it significantly below the feasibility study number. And um, you will see on and, and some of the, you know, that I'm showing you here that the ball mill fabrication is going very well. Uh, we we pop into the shop that's been done in South Africa. So some of our key guys are on their turnaround. They go in, they live there, they they pop in, see to make sure that that it's going well. You know, we've already got orders that are ready to go to, to shipping. Uh, you know, so we've ordered all our HDP liner for our tailings. We don't need it to put it in until next January, February. But we knew there was going to be cost pressure on the HDP liner. So we knew the quantities of the tailings pond were not changing. All we did, to be quite frank with you, we just added 10% to the to the neat quantities that uh, Knight Peacewold had done on the tailings design and went out and got the order in place. And it's now been shipped. The first uh, rolls of HTP are landing in um, in Cote d'Ivoire this week. So we beat that cost pressure. If we, I was placing that order now for shipment for February next year, I'd be paying 20 to 25% more than I paid in March. This it's very encouraging for you. I mean, well done. First of all, you're just you know getting getting on with it, and you know I appreciate you know you talked about the debt and the equity getting sorted. You've given us some timelines, um, mm -hmm. but shaving costs off and placing orders early because costs are rising significantly from what you're you're saying. The, the inflation there is, is crazy. That's gonna that's gonna allow, allow you to actually hit some of the, or, or beat some of your feasibility numbers. That's what you're saying. For others, it doesn't bode well. Well, I think there's going to be, you're going to have to be very careful now. One of the things that, that I would suggest for anybody out there is if you've got a feasibility study, go into your quantity takeoffs, go into your assumptions on your geotech, on all of those other things, and make sure that you're comfortable with the quantities. It's, you know, we did that as well. I mean, I'm really happy to say that our quantities on our concrete plate work steel are very much in line with the study. But just go back in and make sure that you're. And we did make changes. We saw things that we felt okay. We could we could cut things here. We could. So you know, what I'm saying is, you know, the, the 155 in the study is still 155. But there were changes that we made to make sure that you know, okay, well, we got to pull back on this a bit. We got to do this a bit. But it wasn't major. But we did the work. So we didn't go. Oh my goodness, we're now in trouble. We better. What are we going to do about it? We we we. Saw things coming. We talked to LICO very carefully. Where are you seeing the pressure? What are you seeing happening? How do we overcome this? What do we do? And we got out there fast. And so I would suggest that anybody who's feasibility study that's thinking of raising capital, because the banks are looking at it, I'm telling you, 
We've got the banks this week on site. And one of the key things they want to see is where are we at with costs? Where is things going? Can you walk us through it, et cetera? So we are now able to show them all the POs we've placed, all the quantities that we've done. Our two main contracts for the concrete and the tank erection and overland pipelines are being, being awarded uh, this weekend. And again, I can tell you they're within that feasibility study budget. So, you know, we're able to show that to the banks. The banks have comfort that, that things are moving and moving well. The, sorry, to, I should be staying on your company and I will come back to it, but it just makes me think about other investments that I could be making and whether or not I trust the numbers which I've been using in terms of some of the study numbers, right? With inflation like you're indicating, this isn't a West Africa problem. This is a mining problem across the globe, right? Okay. So most companies are going to have to go and revise that. And they've got two options. They can remove items or put put assumptions in there which just they're not going to be able to deliver on. And if they're not a a builder, I guess they they don't really care in in a way. Um, or they're going to have to come up with some some way of saying to the market, you know what, it's not our fault, but we've just our prices have just gone up twenty percent across the board. Yeah, yeah. Look, there are some things that you, you're you're nobody's at fault for you, you. You know, things like exchange rate assumptions that you've got. You know, because we're all buying things all over the world, and exchange rate, particularly if you're a single asset company, you you don't have foreign hedging. You know. Account. They don't give it to you. Don't give, what do you have, What are you? What are you doing it against? Nothing. You know. You know. Fresh air. So they're not going to do that. So you've got to. You've got to take an exchange rate risk. And so when you get your money in and you raise your money, you've got to determine when am I going to change it to whatever currency I'm going to change it to. So uh, that's a balance that you you just don't know. I mean, if you've got a good treasurer and a smart treasurer, he can help you there. But um, but you know, I would suggest that. I mean, some studies are you know, overinflated. So you go in and you go, well, look, we got, we do have too much concrete here, but let's just leave the number because cost is going to go up. So you, I, I would suggest that people do, you know, reopen things, relook at them and, 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 and don't surprise the market. The market now knows there's going to be cost inflation. Just, you know, look at it, up it and tell it what it is. I mean, once you're, once you're, yeah, you're doing the work. The one thing that I would say about West Africa, though, we are not seeing labor rate pressure. Uh, that's not occurring here. Um, there's still a, a, a fair amount of people looking for work. There's good quality skilled people here. We are not having that pressure here. The, the, the other one that I'm seeing pressure on is shipping. Container freight, bulk break is all going up. And um, again, you've got to tie that to some index to try and keep a control on it, to look at what you're doing, how you're packaging things. You know, you might get something that we've looked at. We were very careful. Well, okay, the, it's it's cheaper to buy this X piece of equipment in Australia, but when you add the shipping on to Burkina, it's more expensive than buying it in South Africa. So that you, you have to look at things at a holistic level and make sure that it's what it costs you FOB site, not what it costs you leaving that equipment supplier's uh, uh, facility. So right. The, Make sure you got smart guys on your team who've been there, done that, seen it, and worked in the environment you're working. Well, I think we, we will definitely have to you know reassess our assumptions on the costs of, of things, or at least get up to date with them. Because if, if things are moving this quickly, uh, it's it's slightly concerning. I guess it makes the, those kind of 
it just about okay um, returns type projects that you sort of look at occasionally and think, well, it might it might be okay. It makes them yeah, less invested. It's, it's, it's not all doom and gloom. So you know what tends to happen is things go up on the basis of expectations, and then the expectations don't fulfill themselves, and they come back down again. So I would just be careful how you, you know, don't be doom and gloom about it, but have a good, careful look at things. I mean, you know, for example, a lot of it is driven, people are saying it's driven by consumer demand, pent up demand for things. And, you know, I've got tons of money because I couldn't go anywhere. So now I want to spend it on stuff. And now the shipping rates go up. That could change in a heartbeat if vaccination rolls out and people start saying, well, you know what, I'm not going to buy that because I'm going to holidays in Greece. I'm going to spend the money. So now what people thought freight rates were going to, don't go there. So there's there's a, you got to be watching it carefully all the time. Good advice. I'll watch it. One of the things that does consistently go up are, are energy costs. But you've done something about that. Yeah, we have. Yeah, whoa, that was something. Um so look, uh, we are the first company in Burkina, a mining company in Burkina, well, first company in Burkina to have an LNG uh, uh, energy power facility on site. Uh, you know, we were, it, it's with the government, I, I, you probably saw in the press release that we had the Minister of Mines and Energy actually make a quote on our press release. They were extremely pleased that A, we were building the project and B, that we raised our, our, our debt in, in Burkina. So that 100, 110 million stays in country for other investments and can potentially show other mining companies, look, you don't have to be at the behest of foreign banks. There's money here to help you build a project. On that basis, we got into the potential of bringing this LNG in. The negotiations went very well. They're a very, very experienced company, Genser. So they, um, we have now got a, a, a life of mine you know, power supply, no escalation indices in it um, for an LNG solar plant. Our carbon footprint right off the bat is extremely small because most guys in Burkina use HFO. And it is a dirty fuel, uh, whatever, but it's sort of what juniors and whatever are forced into from a cost because energy is a huge part of mining costs. So we've got this for the life of mine. It gives us cost certainty on a major part of our of our input costs into the project. Um, we're off and running right now. Uh, the Genser people are on site this week as well, and uh, you know we're extremely extremely pleased about that. So for, as a junior company, it, we're one of the most competitive costs of energy for a life of mine on the project. That, but that's the bit. See, that's the interesting bit. That, you know, LNG, lovely. Solar power, lovely. Life of mine. So how do you mm -hmm. fix terms over life of mine, given we know energy prices go up You're anywhere in the world, the energy costs, you're looking at the continuing up, look in South Africa, look anywhere in Africa, right? Right. What does that mean? Are you paying more now? Or is it no. amortized because no. it's been amortized? Or how does it work? No, 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 we're not paying anything uh, upfront. So all the capital goes in by the company. They're putting the project, they run it. You know, we give them camp space, obviously. They, they let, you know, they're going to be behind our secure camp and we feed them. But they maintain it, they run it, they, they provide the power. We have to use a minimum amount of power per annum in terms of schedule or else they back charges. Typical, you know, build, don't operate or over-the-fence contract. How do we get a life of mine? Well, obviously, they're, they've got to tap into LNG somewhere. I don't quit their business. But a big part of it was giving them first entry into the country. 
And if they prove themselves here in this regard, there's a huge market for them because the the, the power supply company themselves, you know, the guys who generate power here in country, Sanabel, they're going to look and they visit went visited all these facilities with us when we did this and, and did all the due diligence, et cetera. They're going to look at this as a, one of their long-term you know, potential power supplies for the country and it's cheaper energy for all of the population, et cetera. So we just happened to be the first entry into the country. So we were able to negotiate a very good contract for us that helps everybody down the line. So they're paying for all the kind of CapEx component up front. What happens if they keep doing that, they run out of capital? What do you do? If they run out of capital, well, I mean, they're a big company. They've got they've got powerful contracts all over the world. So I, don't, I, I just can't see that happening. We've done our due diligence on them. They have supply power to Kinross, to, I think, Barrick, to uh, Goldfields, to um, Golden Star. So this, and plus many other uh, facilities. So this is not a, this is a pretty big entity. So we're yeah. not. Uh, one, one big fat balance sheet, so you'll be all right. Yes. Okay. To ask. Not, look, believe you me, they're not losing money on this. I mean, they, yeah, you know, they're not doing this to lose money. But what we weren't able to negotiate was the life of mine entity to, here to do this. So, you know, you know, the, the, the machines, you know, LNG machines last forever. They're, they're not like dirty diesel machines and things like that that have to 10 years. They, these things are last for a lot, the life, absolutely 20, 20, 30 years. So they're not as if they're replacing capital. They're not doing that. So once it's in and it's running and they've paid off the capital in eight to 10 years, they get the gravy as well. There's nobody, nobody's, you know, crying to the bank here. Okay. I, I just think I I just, I'm, I'm extremely, extremely happy. Okay. And, and as your shareholder should be. I, I just, it's always worth asking. So these kind of very capital intensive companies, which are having to fork out a lot of money up front for these large bits of equipment, because you don't want to, um, you know, that, that kind of, that kind of piles on the debt. You know, companies do get into difficulties. I mean, the what if the what if scenario there for it being you just revert back to kind of conventional energy supply, would it? Well, they're actually putting in a diesel backup that's right there. So they, that was part of the contract. Right. Okay. So it's full diesel backup that, that's sitting behind it. Whether they run it or not, I don't know, but it's there. Got it. Okay. There you go. Um, you've also been drilling. Because I know you're building, but you're also drilling. Um, some nice we numbers are. came out uh, last week. Yeah, look, um, you know, we did the Silver Stream. That was essentially we haven't that money's not in the kitty yet, but uh, essentially to look at some experts. We talked about it, but look, to be to be honest with you, we were very quiet about this. I went to site in January, February. I really wanted to drill under an area called Maga because I, I, it, it's such a bullseye, and we've we, we've got it's in the sulfide plant now. And I thought it would, you know, provide some certainty to the market that it was going to get bigger and be part of an expansion. My team sat me down and went, "Look, P17, you know, right now it's not it's it's small but high grade, and we've hit something as we were trying as we were drilling out on the other arms, and it's not part of the current, you know, system." And we think it's got some potential. So we looked at it and we and it was shallow drilling. They said, well, you know, if you're right and it's coming up to surface, well, let's drill some holes. And if we don't hit it, we don't hit it. But if we do, hey, but boy, did we hit it. And now this whole thing looks completely different. P17 South itself is, you know, the narrower arms, good grade, very mineable, whatever. This thing now blew out on the east. 
it's a big package of granite diorite. It's juiced up. Continuity is beautiful. It's a stack system. So when I see that, when I'm mining through some of the smaller ones, I'm mining through the big ones. So <laughs> lots of tons per vertical meter. Excellent grade. We've now got this gap between P17 South and P17. When you look at the drilling at P17, and it was something they didn't fully understand. They had no idea this was a folded granodite right unit at the time. They stopped drilling because they lost it. They lost it because it's a fold. Now we got it again. So now we're, we've got two ends of a, of a high-grade system that's wide open. Interestingly enough, if you look at WAF, our neighbor, so the whole area is, is us and WAF. They actually surround us. They bought uh, B2's Tawaga project. Guess what? It's a folded granite diorite, exactly like this. And if you look at their presentation, it's pointing north. P17 is exactly north of it. So this is a big belt for us. Secondly, the geologists are now real, realizing that there's a certain chemistry on the on the um, on the on the granite diorite, and if we see that, we're in it. And we saw it at another area called Sega. We didn't know it at the time. We hit it some really nice grades, Sega East, and now we know that's wide open for the same system. So we think the major shear comes down the, the belt. And this granite diorite unit is folded all the way around it. So it's a huge exploration uh, upside for us. Fantastic. So with the silver stream, so I was going to get onto it, but with the silver stream, that you have not drawn down on it yet. You haven't received no. Right. Okay. So when that comes in, is that all going to go towards exploration? Yeah. So what, what we're going to do with the silver stream is now it's the rainy season. So we just wrap up this program. All the guys, will, we have more drill results to come, and I'm very excited about those as well. So, um, the and once they're out, then we'll re-evaluate P17 and P17 South and P17 North because it's it's a it's quite a fairly large area. We'll go back in at that time. The guys will have done all of their you know sort of technical work on Sega East and Maga and Maga Hill, not Maga, and then we'll come back with a program that will restart again in probably October, November, to really open up this whole area for us. And I want to say this is that now this is all open pedable. It's right at surface. You know, we're, what we're adding here is a lot, a lot of high quality shallow answers that will really help us look at a, a, a potentially major expansion to the sulfides. So instead of having 2.2 million tons, we could well be looking at 4 million tons. We believe we could support 4 million tons with what's beneath MAGA and SEGA in the main belt anyway. But now we get much better grade, nearer surface. And so this is trending towards the sort of 250,000 ounce a year type of project. Okay, and so give people an idea, just some numbers that they'd relate to in terms of amount of uh, meters that you could be drilling um, and, you know, obviously after the rainy season, when uh, rainy season is what, so October, after October? Uh, yeah, it's, it's starting now, the rainy season, we're in it right now. Uh, it will end in, September. you know, end of September, yeah. you got to let the ground dry up, you know, right. and so probably November we'll be, we'll be back at it. Right. What size would that program, I really can't tell you. It will certainly be, you know, um, tens of thousands of meters, but I couldn't really tell you. And it really depends again on on um, you know what's what the guys want to do, how we want to do it. Do we want to go full bore on P17? Do we want to spend some money 
and follow up on on um, Sega East and Maga Hill because if we hit on those now, you know, as a as a as a M and A company, we're in a hell of a great position. So yeah, you know, we've got sure. a mind belt, we've got a huge upside. Fantastic. So well- I just wanted to just ask you there, there was a slight there was a slight little blip in your um, share price there at the end of May I'd say beginning of, beginning of June. What were people worried about? Uh, you know, I really don't know at the time. Um, maybe somebody just decided that you know they wanted to to get out and go off to another um, you know sort of development story. Um, are we on track? And, and people might have thought at that time, to be frank with you, well, costs are going up, so they're not they're not going to build it for the cost. So I'm getting out before they tell me, you know. But we're able to tell them now that just relax, sleep at night, because I'm sleeping at night uh, on the cost. So don't don't um, don't worry about that. I think the quality of our estimate, how we've got out of the gate, the, the equipment we've ordered, the contracts we're letting, you know, we're we're in very very good shape. So I think it might have been a bit of that. Then people started to get real confidence again. This is going well. I think the, the, the power supply one definitely brought buying back in. People saw you've got a life of mine uh, power supply contract. It's the cheapest in the country. You don't, you're not putting up capital, it, you know, et cetera. So a lot of the guys who look at the development side story and that you're, you're trending very well, you know, come into the story. Same happened to Rocks Gold, same happened to Atlantic Gold, where these where funds looked at these guys and went, this is going to work. It's going to get re-rated. I got to buy it now. So we, we did recover and we recovered very well. And then, of course, the expiration added a lot more excitement to it. Brilliant. Paddy, lovely to catch up with you. Um, you better get out there and crack that whip. Uh, with with the boys and girls, we're doing it. <laughs> and um, I'll maybe I'll speak to you when you get back um, over to Canada. Okay, absolutely, absolutely. I'm fully vaccinated now, so I'm good. It's all about you. <laughs> yeah, it's all about me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Excellent. I'm very happy to, to give you an update. Uh, and please, things are going well. You know, Orzone. You know, it took a while to get to make sure we had the ship on the right track and going in the right direction. Great team of people now. Everybody's so enthusiastic about it. Going very well. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.